hello. <laughs> I could not laugh during that pause. <laughs> well, it's, it didn't say it was recording yet, so I had to wait. So I was like, oh, Hold, it said it was please. recording on my end. <laughs> oh, it didn't on mine. And last time when it didn't say it was recording on mine, it didn't record the first half of the song. So that's valid. That's why I was like, I can't hold that in. I hope they didn't hear that. But <laughs> anyway, also, what is John doing in the background? Oh, he's just sitting with his feet up. I was like, I see a pillow. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> don't worry about it. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> How are you, Sicky McSicky Pants? <laughs> I spent three days, four days in the woods, so I'm just kind of sick right now. But, you know, <laughs> we're going to have forcing myself to have a positive mindset about it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was not a good experience, but that's okay. I'll prepare myself better next time. I did puke. I did almost pass out. So. Oh no! Oh, did you not hear about this? I told Will. Well, I knew that like it didn't go well, but I didn't know that you almost passed out. Oh no! They like I had like full on overexertion. I almost passed out. I puked all day Saturday. Like I couldn't keep anything down. Damn, and bro! Fucking pizza MRE broke my retainer. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just stabbing me in the mouth right now. I did hear about the broken retainer. Mom was like, "You have a permanent retainer." I was like, "No, I was literally on the, I was literally on the phone with mom, and she was like, she just texted the group chat and said she broke her permanent retainer. I didn't even know she had a permanent retainer." I know. I was like, "This bitch, you paid for it." What? Hi, John. <laughs> His head. I know that was creepy. You know that uh, meme of. The office where Dwight's standing there and Angela like pops up at his elbow and he's like, "Fuck!" That's how I my, felt with John peeking around the corner. My favorite, my favorite scene is when Dwight cuts the face off the CPR man. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love the office. That's also a good scene as well. But yes, so I like full on had overexertion and it was like really kind of embarrassing because there was a whole SFAB team there that was at uh, their station at JBLM. These guys are like hardcore, like badasses. Well, yeah, they're actually in the army. <laughs> yeah, but they're like a team of hardcore badasses. Okay, they're all NCOs, so they're all terrifying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but it went really well. Um, actually, the lanes that I did do, I did six out of five lanes. So I still did more than half. <laughs> six out of five. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 11. I mean, I didn't do five of the 11 lanes. Got it. I was like, unless this is like some army thing that I don't understand. <laughs> no, it's a Marines thing. <laughs> Get it? Because they can't they, count. <laughs> they eat crayons, so that's funny. <laughs> um, no, I'm at six out of eleven. I I did six out of eleven lanes, but the ones that I did do, they say they said I did pretty good. So I just need to take that and then just keep going and just keep doing better. Totes, you got so, this. I'm excited for that. Um, I have a bunch of exams this week, but my microbiome professor was a fucking G, and she's letting me take my exam on Thursday. So instead oh, of nice. tomorrow, so I want to hope she's gonna be an extra day to study. Um, I have fun plans this weekend. It's just, you know, I was really stressed out, and next year's going to be really stressful, but that's okay, because we're just going to party it up now. Absolutely. You got this. It's good. We're just going to party to wrap. Party hardy. It's fine. I know I was stalking your Instagram earlier to see if I could, like, find any pictures of you in frats that I recognized. I don't think I have any pictures in frats. You do. You have one in Phytal with Santa, and then you have a couple in Ackle. But Ackle's not a thing anymore, and I just don't go to Phytal. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, I do remember Frat Santa. Yeah, it wasn't Phytal at the time, though. And your Instagram said it was Phytal. Oh, did it? Okay, maybe it was. I don't know if I can know. Our Frat Santa this year was Sinkai. Nice. And they were, they, I don't know, something happened. Apparently he was rude to someone. So. Oh, really? <laughs> I heard about it, yeah. I don't remember. I Obviously, I wasn't there, but yeah, frat Santa. It's kind of creepy if you think about it, because it's just a frat guy and you're sitting on his lap. Yeah, I, that's why. I and normally you would avoid that at all costs. Yeah, so. exactly. That's why everybody <laughs> avoided frat Santa. <laughs> at all costs. 
anyway, it was a cute like strap pick. I don't know, man. <laughs> no, exactly. I had my first fam night with my boy Big this weekend and his fam. So I'm excited for that. That'll be fun. I know. Well, we do ROTC together too, so it's like you know. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's not gonna be good. crazy, crazy. No, for sure. Um. <laughs> Anyway, um, lit. Well, yeah, hopefully you feel good. better. Yeah, I'll be fine. Yeah. What have you been doing lately? Um, I've been pretty busy at work, and yeah. that's been interesting. I'm starting to feel more confident, so that's pretty cool. You guys are going on this whole like becoming a lawyer journey with me, so congratulations. We're all lawyers now, besties. I absolutely love it. Um, you like enjoying it more because I know you kind of want to die for a second. Yeah, I think I am, and like now I'm starting to get the hang of it, and I'm feeling more on top of it, and it's less stressful and overwhelming. So that's pretty cool. It's all um, yeah, I have to go to Sioux Falls next weekend. Oh, where is that? South Dakota. What the fuck? Yeah, my brother-in-law is getting married, so I'm going there. Oh, okay. That was like a work thing. I was like, what, what even happens in South Dakota? Like, no. I work in Kansas, so nothing happens for me in South Dakota. But that's fun. Um, yeah, but that'll be fun. We rented a party bus for the night before, so at least there will be one fun thing to do in South Dakota. Whose wedding is it? Nick. Which one's that? Uh, the lawyer one, the prosecutor. Uh, that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. It'll be good. Yeah, that'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, the party bus will be fun. I'm excited for that. Oh, and then yeah. I get to see, um, you know, the rest of my family. Uh, you know, my other brothers and sister-in-law. So that's yeah. cool. Oh, fuck yeah, dude. Yeah. But what I'm most excited for is that two months until I get to see your punk ass. Yeah. How fucking excited. I know. I'm so excited. Yeah. Can John wears cowboy boots to the wedding? I don't give a shit what John wears. Okay, cool. Can he at least just not wear jeans? Yeah. No, no, I already told him no jeans. Okay, cool. Wait, cool. What? Like slacks. We talked about slacks. Yeah, you can wear slacks and like a nice shirt and your you, cowboy boots, Jonathan. But he wore them like my formal was pretty perfect. It was like cowboy boots, slacks, and a button up. It was perfect. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Oh, no, he wore jeans to formal. But it's okay. He'll wear slacks. Don't worry. Okay, cool beans. Yes, we got it. It's your day. It's what you want to do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's the plan. I need to make sure my fucking bridesmaid dress still fits. It's probably a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if not, you got to order one. Uh, yeah, that's facts. That's, it won't take long anyway, but yeah. No. It's, uh, it was a little big like, last year. So. It was. It was pretty big on you. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. And it was also two years ago, not last year, bestie. <laughs> You're old. <laughs> you're old too. You aged in that time. I'm 18. You're what, like 40? <laughs> you bitch. You just get older every episode. <laughs> oh my god. Do you want to hear what fucking mom said? Yes. All of are doing this new vegan, vegetarian thing. I'm not doing so fantastic at it, but I'm cutting myself a little slack because I'm broke and I don't have like access to like fantastic food at the moment. So yeah, cut myself some slack there. At the same time, I 100% could be making better choices. Not an excuse, whatever. But April was like, like, if you're a vegetarian, she was like, you can still have, like, so I told her I got sushi. And she was like, oh, well, sushi's vegetarian. And I was like, oh, mine had tuna in it. You can be a vegetarian sushi, but mine had tuna in it. And she was like, oh, well, that's vegetarian. And I was like, this that's pescatarian, <laughs> which is literally what I brought up in that group chat. So the fact that she's already read the word <laughs> and said no. So she figures that out. And then she's like, oh, well, if you're vegan, or she was like, you know, I would think that if you're vegetarian, like, you know, oh my gosh, what did she say? She, she said eggs was meat. She said that they should be classified under the same thing. And I was like, mom, that's like saying milk is meat. Like, that's well, like you go vegetarian and you can't drink milk. Well, vegans don't do any animal byproduct. She was saying vegetarians oh, should vegetarians. be eggs. Vegetarians <laughs> don't do that. No. She said that eggs are meat. That's, 
no. <laughs> I'm cracking up and she's like, dude, what are you doing? Like, are you on something? I was like, no, like I'm dead sober. <laughs> this is just really stupid. <laughs> I was like, does no one else get that this is dumb as fuck? Like, <laughs> I was like saying milk is meat. Like, yeah, mom, uh, vegetarians can eat eggs and drink milk. <laughs> Also, what is she doing without cheese? That bitch loves cheese. Yeah, but you can get, like, vegan cheese. Yeah, that's disgusting. Trust me, I Um, was vegetarian for years. (laughs) So you've tried vegan cheese because you're vegetarian? Yeah. Because I I used to eat shit all the time that was vegan. Oh, my God. I've tried. We have vegan cheese at the house. It's not too bad. I don't know what our chef gets, but it's pretty dang. Good. Yeah. So... I told her I was gonna call her out on the podcast speaking for <laughs> at least she got a warning. Yeah. She also never called me back. So this is me calling calling you out and not calling you back, April. No, since we you can't call her back now because we're not gonna get done till like ten. So yeah, just but... save it, April. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking save it for later. <laughs> save it. Anyway. Like, call us constantly anyway. <laughs> She's like, fuck. <laughs> Well, she always tells me to call her more often, and then when I do, she asks me what's wrong, and I'm like, nothing, you told me to call you. She knows that I would actually go insane if I had to call her all the time, so she does not say that to me. I think we, she calls me like I don't call her all the time, I'm just saying, like, she tells me that, like, when I do call her, she's like you should call me more. And then when I call her more, she's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, nothing. Because we call Marie. All of our issues. In all fairness, though, if you tell me to call you more, and I do... It's going to be with issues. No. Oh. <laughs> I don't get it. I was... <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Liberty's too sick to comprehend things right now. Dude, I slept 11 hours on Sunday night. Like, I was down yeah. out. John One time. And McDonald's. And <laughs> love that for you. One time, uh, Will got back from an FTX and we went and got food and he was like falling asleep at the table. And then when we went back to my house, he instantly passed out. And I was like, cool. College one or? Yeah, a college one. Yeah, I, I know. I always feel bad for those. Everyone always shits on the MS4s, and they're always like, oh, they just shit inside. But those, I when I was sitting inside watching those MS4s just getting their asses reamed constantly, they sat in a meeting for like an hour just getting yelled at. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> like midnight. Like, we'd be up at like four. Like, That's a bummer. I was like, oh, God, you guys work so hard in here. <laughs> All uh, right. Are you ready yeah. to start the party? Yeah. Can I start? Yeah, go for it. Fuck yeah. Um, actually, it's not really a fuck yeah. This is actually a really sad story. Do you want to tell them what our theme is first? Oh, yes. So our theme was like lovers who kill. And I don't know if mine really falls into this category. I was kind of just like hoping so. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're hoping for the best here. What the fuck? Sorry, I'm trying to like move shit around. Oh, it's fancy. Okay, so the case I'm covering just had like recent pop-ups, which is why my shit took so long. Because I was like, oh my god, I'm finding new details everywhere. <laughs> so I'm covering the death of Conrad Roy, um, also known as the texting suicide case. <gasps> yes! So I will say this does have a lot of triggers in it. So Also, that was not like a yes, like, oh my god, murder. It was like a yes, like, name recognition. Anyway. So um, this does have a lot of triggers in the story. And I just don't think, like, censoring most of it really just does, like, you know, him justice. And I just really think this shit needs to be talked about, especially more with, like, men's mental health aspects. Um, I think that's me. Yeah. yeah, And also, like, you know, if self-harm and um taking your own life is like a trigger for you then you can definitely skip this episode we will not be offended oh my gosh um, yeah, i never because mine also has similar um themes in it as well so undertones but yes yeah, so this is gonna be a pretty intense episode um but 
I did provide um, the suicide hotline number just for anyone that you know is struggling, if you're struggling personally, if it's just a resource that it literally never hurts to just have as a resource. So mm -hmm. that number is 800-273-8255. Um, and if you look it up, it also does come up as well. I did, I tried to find like specialized ones because I really wanted to touch on like especially men's mental health because like especially like being in a military environment this weekend like it's amazing but at the same time like there were like you could see a lot of people struggling and like not getting like the same recognition yeah absolutely. um so unfortunately there was no like specialized hotline but i know there's like tons of resources um and everywhere. and also um i would recommend if you wanted like a lo local hotline you can also look up like your county and like mental health yeah um, and you can generally find one there. I know in Johnson County, Kansas, if you live in Johnson County, Kansas, that they have a mobile crisis response team. Uh, so, you know, check your area and see if those things exist there too, if you want something local. Yeah, and if you are a WC student, Cougar Health has tons of mental health shit. And every time I go to Cougar Health, they're always asking me how I'm doing, if I need to talk to someone, free counseling, little off topic they do offer free nutrition advice because oh I'm forced to go see a nutritionist so super fancy it's free though <laughs> um don't even get me started <laughs> yeah yeah tell me about it um so yeah this is that case so yeah just you know worn it out it is gonna pretty be a pretty intense night so um roy was born in 19, every like article I saw referred to him as Roy, so I don't know if he went by Conrad. I'm not exactly sure, so I'm just going to refer Yeah, I'm not sure. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Just goes back and forth. It was whatever article I was reading, that's what I was writing down, so. Mm -hmm. um, but Roy was born, and he was your age. He was born in 1995 in Massachusetts. Um, just a little, like, first thing that some article, a lot of articles said was he was known to be um, socially anxious, so that was, like, a little bit of a precursor to some other mental health issues, but... He worked with his father and other family, like his grandfather and his uncle, for several years. And in spring of 2014, right before he was about to graduate, he earned his captain's license. Um, he was working with his family as a marine towing and salvage company. So he was working on boats and shit. So he did three months of night classes to earn his captain's license while he was going wow. to high school. Yeah. He graduated in June 2014 on honor roll from Old Rochester Regional High School, and he was an athlete who played baseball, rode crew, and ran track, all with a 3.88 GPA. Damn. And before, um, tragically, he passed, he was on track to go to Fitchburg State University. I'm not exactly sure where that is, but. I'm not sure either. I forgot to look it up. Um, and then, um, uh, I hate getting her the light, but at the same time, we, it is kind of important, like, some of the things just to the, detrimental to the understanding of the case, but Michelle Carter uh, was his girlfriend, and she was 17 years old at the time. Um, she was born August 11th, 1996, and from a very young age, she had been known to have um, just some, she had a, uh, some eating disorders, and I hate saying mental health issues, but she just had like some struggles going on. Mm -hmm. And um, at that age, she had already started self-harming around eight or nine. Wow. Uh, she was on prescription medications for, I will say though, before I get into that, that was also like, like that was like a big like Tumblr self-harm time. Like not like saying that's why she did it, but at the same time, like that culture like fed into it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like I remember seeing that shit when I was a kid. Like, mm -hmm. it was not okay no but she was been on prescription medication and had been going to um lots of behavioral therapists and counseling since she was about 14. so they did meet um in florida in 2012 while they were both visiting relatives and they only actually saw each other i didn't find too many details on their relationship so i couldn't tell if they were actually officially dating or how long they'd been dating um, but they only saw each other in person again only a handful of times, and they only lived 35 miles away from each other. Yeah, so I think that, because um, I watched a documentary about this. Yes. Um, and I think that Conrad didn't really consider them, like, official. 
Um, and he was like kind of using her for the support because he was going through a lot. Right. Um, but she considered them like boyfriend, girlfriend, like official to the end kind of thing. Got it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Because I've never ref- I've just referred to them as like, like I watched a YouTube video on them and I've heard of them as friends, but then articles were saying they were together. So it was just kind of confusing, but yeah. And it, and it just is based on, we only have her account now really. So exactly so they only lived 35 miles away from each other and saw each other only a handful of times for the next two years which was already a little long but um according to documents something that had been fueling roy's mental health um struggles had been he'd been allegedly being hit by his dad and verbally harassed by his grandpa um the first time that he tried to commit suicide was in october of 2012 and this was after his parents were getting a divorce so that really put a lot of strain on him and um, during this time in October of 2012, Carter was friends with him at the time and repeatedly discouraged his behavior and was like, no, like you need to get professional help. Like you need help, like don't do this. And so, you know, what changed basically, mm-hmm. um, in July of 2014, there is messages about how it would be a good thing to help him die. And that's in quotes. Um, and she also messaged him comparing the two's relationship to Romeo and Juliet and the aspect that they would both kill themselves in the end. Yeah. This this is like, this whole thing is just fucking terrible. It really is. Um, it's disgusting. So, sorry, my notes are kind of all over the place, but it all makes sense in the end, I promise. <laughs> You're good. Um, so he did die July 13th of 2014, so it was not long after he graduated and he was about to go to college. Um, there is proof of messages, emails, recorded phone calls leading up to his death where she's repeatedly pressuring Roy to kill himself. In the past, he'd been to numerous mental health professionals and been on lots of psychiatric medications to try and, like, combat this. Um, and his overdose is 17, or... 17? One second, September 12th. Yeah, so his overdose in 2012 was acetaminophen, um, which, what is that? Ibuprofen? Like ibuprofen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he tried to overdose on that at 17, and he had been going to a cognitive behavioral therapist in the weeks before his death, so he was still seeking help. Um, and another big controversy in this case is he was taking an antidepressant called celesta and the box and the instructions warns that it does increase suicidal thinking and behavior in those under 24 which it's literally the exact opposite of the point yeah um yeah so the um whoever was defending her michelle i don't know what they're called her defense attorney yes so her defense attorney tried to bring that aspect into it Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they were also playing on the fact that she was a grieving girlfriend, she didn't want him hurting anymore, you know, stupid shit. And then they did try to play on the fact which, of which, that the box does say that a side effect is suicidal thoughts and actions for, strongly, for those under 24. Yeah. Um, and, um, I have a screenshot of a people, what should we call it, of a people, People magazine article um, where there is like excerpts of her text and there's only like it's only a picture of it it's not like I'll explain in a second I'll show you Cindy you'll understand once I show it it's like okay. you know like little like it's not the whole thing it's just like oh, a snippet yeah. of the screen yeah but like um, examples of her messages this was the twelfth. Um, so two days before he passed, you need to do it, comrade. The more you push it off, the more it's eating at you. This was the 12th, one minute later. You're ready and prepared. All you have to do is turn the generator on and you will be free and happy. No more pushing it off. Um, and then seven minutes later, if you want it as bad as you say you do, it's time to do it today. And it was just that constantly and... Carter's friend, Samantha Borman, read, and this is, I'm reading this paragraph straight from the People um, article. Mm -hmm. 
Carter's friend, Samantha Boardman, read aloud in court from texts that Michelle had sent her that seemed to indicate she was remorseful. This is the quote. Sam, his death is my fault. Like, honestly, I could have stopped him. I was on the phone with him, and he got out of the car because it was working, and he got scared. And I effing told him to get back in. Carter allegedly texted to Boardman. I knew he would do it all over the next day, and I couldn't have him live the way he was living anymore. I couldn't do it. I wouldn't let him. I should have done done more, and it's all my fault because I could have stopped him, but I effing didn't. And she texted this to her friend um, the next day. And she's, like, telling all of her friends that she was on the phone with him and that she heard him die. And um, one of the worst parts to me is that um, he, to set the scene of his passing, he um, bought a generator and put it in the cab of his truck and was in the Kmart parking lot. And the fumes were filling up his car and he's on the phone with her and... She and he gets out because he's scared and he's like, I don't want to die. Like, I don't want to do this. And he realizes what a lot of people realize. And she's like, no, like, you have to. And she talks him into getting back in. And unfortunately, he does die of carbon monoxide poisoning in the, in the Kmart parking lot after their phone call mm-hmm. um, during it while she was on the phone. So, yeah, that was probably like the worst part of reading all this. I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. <sighs> Yeah, and, like, another quote is in the days before his death, she's encouraging him to just do it, babe. And when he got out of the car and messaged her, she explicitly was like, get back inside. And this set of messages was a key piece to her conviction, thank God. But, unfortunately, she did just get out of jail um, three months early in January. Yeah. Good behavior. Um, They called her a model citizen. Because, you know, psychopaths, they don't really, they can't really do much else. Um, but she, um, and her conviction, it ended up going to court. Like, it was, and it was really hard for the judges because, like, there was no legal precedence on this. Like, mm-hmm. they were, like, they had never seen anything like this. And so there wasn't exactly sure what to do. And so she was sentenced to 15 months in prison. Um, and she was convicted with involuntary manslaughter. Plus five years probation, which she, she did only 11 and a half months, I think. Yeah, she got three months early on good behavior, and now she's serving her probation. Yikes. I just think, I think the worst part for me, like, when watching that documentary was, um, and I don't know if you came across this in your research, but that, like, she was, like, feigning fear, like, texting his family and be like, oh, my God, like, I'll help you find him. I don't know where he is either. Like, this is so scary. Like, you know, doing all this, which, like, the defense brings up, like, some text messages to him about being, like, him being abusive and all this stuff. And I'm like, okay, they could have both been abusive, but she's the one who, like. Got him to. Got him. (laughs) Yeah. Like. To do that to himself. Yeah, exactly. So it's like. They can both have made mistakes. And they're also teenagers who have a lot of mental health issues going on. Right. They was just the and perfect. She, like, yeah. And she boring. did all of this stuff afterwards that made it seem really freaking suspicious. And, right. like, she had benefited from it. And so, I don't know. Like, no, covering her ass. I I did see a little bit about that. I just forgot to type it out. But yeah, covering her ass with um, what you would call it, covering her ass for with his parents is just like that, and convincing him to get back into the car was what really solidified like the prosecutor's conviction and got her oh, yeah. life for the year that she was. Absolutely, and like she said, so much weird shit like the. When she organized or tried to help organize the fundraiser, but wanted to do it in her town so that she could like put it on, even though he didn't know anyone in her town, like it was just exactly just a lot of like that whole thing was fucked up. Yeah, so. but she's out. So yikes! That's some gross. Yeah, that is unfortunate. <sighs> okay. <clears throat> okay. So, my story Mm -hmm. is the murder of Julie Jensen, 
Um, I will also say that because this story got so sensationalized for the trial, a lot of Julie gets lost in a lot of the articles. So I'm going to talk about Julie a bit, um, but it was really hard for me to find information on her. And I, you know, just want to point out that we are here to remember the victims of these crimes and not glorify the killers. So I just want to preface that now. Okay. So Julie Jensen was born Julie Griffin and she had a kind of difficult upbringing. Um, Her mother was an alcoholic and her younger brother died in an accident when he was just a toddler. Um, So that didn't make, you know, Julie's home life very great, but that didn't stop her from growing up to be an absolutely amazing person and eventually a devoted mother. Julie was going to college and working at Sears in Oshkosh, Wisconsin, when she met her future husband, Mark Jensen, in 1981. Also, why is your toe in front of the camera? Because it's popping out of my sock, bro. All my fucking socks got holes in them. (laughs) (coughs) Sorry, I got distracted by Liberty's whole ass foot in the camera. Anyway, okay. So, where she met her future husband, Mark Jensen, in 1981. They were both students at a local college in Oshkosh, which is just such a funny name to me. Oshkosh. (laughs) Um, And Mark would go on to graduate, but Julie did not. I believe that Mark was a year ahead of Julie, so he graduated and then, you know, proposed and... It all just married. Yeah. Married and then it all just happened. Yeah. Um, the couple moved to Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin, and had two children, David and Douglas. Unfortunately, um, Pleasant Prairie would turn out to be anything but pleasant for the couple, unfortunately. Um, their marriage and lives were, you know, very difficult. Um Julie was suffering from major depression, and Mark was cheating on Julie um, with a co-worker. Mm -hmm. And initially, when I wrote this down, I was like, wow, Mark is such a douche. Um, But then I read further and saw that Julie was also cheating with one of her co-workers. So basically, the marriage was just not ideal, and they were having a lot of problems. We could not win just Julie for that. Yeah, just just Mark, yeah. Yeah. Um, and also a side note, that same coworker that Mark was sleeping with was married and, um, he, after Julie's death, he ends up marrying her and she assumes custody of the ch- couple's children. Okay. So, anyway. Very fast, but. Yeah, but whatever, it's fine. Whatever. Seems to us. Yeah. Um, their marriage was so bad that Julie had even filed for divorce or considered filing for divorce in the past but um mark told her that he would she would never see the kids if she did that and so she was like okay i guess i'm not going to do that because i want to be able to see my children also side note to people who are in abusive relationships um at least in kansas that's not how that works um and i think a lot of states have like a similar idea around custody mm-hmm. and it's going to be the best interest of the child. So, you know, no one's just going to be able to take it away from you um, just because they're an abusive asshole. Exactly. Also possibly quite the contrary, but right. Yeah, this is like Sydney's forte, guys. So it is. <laughs> it's like all she does. I just want people to know their options. <laughs> exactly. That's literally the best thing ever because that's why a lot of women don't leave is because they don't know their options. So this is yeah. everything. Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay. So on December 3rd, 1998, Julie Jensen was found dead inside her Wisconsin home. Um, Mark allegedly just found her dead in their bed. Um, but a funeral was quickly held for Julie and the police, the whole situation, the police just thought was really suspicious and they thought Mark was, you know, really suspicious and he was their key suspect. Um, Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Neighbors said, it's always the husband. (laughs) Uh, Neighbors said that at the funeral, okay, I'm also going to preface this really quick. Sorry. You never know how someone's going to grieve. Right. And grief takes so many different forms. So I don't want to judge people off of grief. 
but the neighbors who knew Mark and knew Julie thought this was suspicious, so I'm going to mention it. Um, so basically they said that at the funeral, Mark was standing five feet from the casket and just like laughing and it really gave them the wrong impression. Um, like talking to people and just like laughing and having the time of his life. And they, what? Just a dandy old time. Just a grand old time. And people like the neighbors and people who knew the couple thought that was really suspicious, um, and made them feel icky. Right. It's making me feel icky, so. <laughs> Weird as fuck, okay. Yeah. Um, so shortly after the death of Julie, um, and shortly after her funeral, Mark moved his mistress in, like I was talking about, and they mm-hmm. were married in 2002, which is four years, uh, actually kind of like three years after Julie's death. Right. Because she was murdered on December 3rd, 1998. Mm-hmm. Um, eventually, everyone's suspicions kind of led to you know, figuring out what actually happened to Julie because Mark just said, oh, like, she was dead in the bed. I don't know. Um, And they thought, like, maybe with her mental condition because she was suffering from major depression that she had committed suicide or something. Um, But eventually it came out that Julie was poisoned with antifreeze and then smothered to death. Oh, fuck. Yeah. How did that autopsy take? Like... I don't... I I don't know. Because, like, he's... Like, well, I think time to get married to her, like yeah, it was like three years. So I don't know if like the autopsy was initial, or if like they chalked up the antifreeze um, to like purposeful, and they thought that the antifreeze was the death of her. I don't know. But, like I said, there's a lot of um, information about the trial because. As we'll get into, it gets pretty complicated, and so there's not a lot of, like, background details. Got it. Okay. Okay. Um, So, moving on to the trial. When it first became obvious that they were wanting to charge Mark with this crime, um, there had been a bunch of publicity in Pleasant Prairie regarding the case, which which required the trial to be moved from Kenosha County, which is where Pleasant Prairie was, to Wall worth county um i don't know where that is but that's just where i got moved. <laughs> <laughs> that's where i got moved to um and at the trial the defense tried to claim that due to julie's depression she had taken her own life and tried to frame mark yes she had drank an antifreeze and smothered herself <laughs> to death got it to frame mark yeah um spoke mark yeah, they literally tried to say that she poisoned herself, basically. I mean, um, you know, some people do drink antifreeze as a way to, like, you know, commit suicide, unfortunately, but smothering yourself. Absolutely. And, you know, I don't know if they were trying to just, like, ignore the smothering situation or right, what was like, going on there. <laughs> God, that could happen. <laughs> They're like, ignore the man behind the curtain kind of vibe. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um. <coughs> But this was a really hard sell for them. Uh, The jury wasn't really feeling it. And Mark had discussed poisoning his wife with coworkers and other inmates, apparently. Yeah. So it was, you know, they they weren't going for it. It was hard for the defense to make that argument. Um, If that wasn't enough, you know, him talking about poisoning her. Absolutely. Um, he also ran internet searches about the best ways to murder your spouse uh, slash poisoning techniques. What the um, fuck? Which is always really interesting to me. It's like, what, what do you idiot. think the internet? Like, do you think it's all going to go away because you Googled that? They think it's private, I think. Like, I genuinely think some people don't realize that our every move is not is being watched. Yeah. Like, like, it's a ha-ha funny joke that there's an FBI agent, like, listening to my phone, but, like, dead ass. It's not a ha-ha funny because he actually is there. Hello, yeah. Sir. Yeah. Hey, bestie. Best. Uh, so, anyway. He Googled it. Right. So, dumbass. Um, and then the prosecution also was able to bring up the fact that Julie um, had, you know, figured out that Mark was cheating and... Like he was angry because she found out about it or whatever. You know, it's his fault. Yeah. Um, so they were like, maybe that's why he did it. Um, the prosecution also used letters of Julie's 
making accusations and she also had voicemails stating her suspicions about Mark and the letters also had suspicions about Mark. Um, and apparently Julie had given a letter to her neighbors uh-huh. that said that in the event of her death, it was to be given to the police. Oh, yeah. Fuck. Yeah. Um, which I think is kind of where the defense was trying to get at with the framing kind of vibe, but like, right. Okay. But I don't know. I feel like you don't have this whole suicide plot just to frame somebody because you're mad at them. Like, I don't, I don't think. I think that's going too far, but yes. I think he was just being weird and she had intuition that she was like, this doesn't feel right. And she had already tried to leave and it hadn't worked out for her in the past. And so she probably just felt like something is wrong here and I'm in danger. Oh, absolutely. That's like, yes. Yeah. Um, but also remember these letters because they're going to be important later um so mark ended up being found guilty and the letters were a critical factor in his 2007 conviction Uh remember julie was murdered in 1998 it's been nearly 10 years oh wow isn't the trial been taking this long has he been like out and out in the world and he's been out well i think too like i mentioned before it took them a hot minute to like finally get enough evidence i think to Uh get to him right okay that makes sense um so yeah he was found guilty the jury deliberated for 30 hours and after receiving the guilty verdict the judge sentenced mark to life in prison with no chance of parole in 2008 um mark appealed his conviction obviously as one does saying that the use of his dead wife's words in her letters and voicemails violated his right to confront witnesses so, on December 19th of 2013, a federal judge agreed and overturned Mark's conviction. He had to be released within 90 days, and he was. The state then appealed this decision because they were like, this is bullshit. Um, right. there, there is an exception, um, and I don't remember it exactly because I don't do criminal law anymore, so, like, don't quote me on this. Um, but there is an exception for, like, if you cause a person's death... Like, their words can be used, um, even if you can't confront them anywhere because you're the one who caused their death. Like, you're at fault, so, like... Right. Anyway. Um, But I think that his... And I don't remember exactly, like, how you can get that through. Um, But, uh, yeah, so that's how he got it overturned. Okay. no, that's, that's I think, how the prosecution had originally gotten it in was with that exception. And then he got it overturned saying, like, no, this actually wasn't applicable to me. Right, okay. Um, so, anyway, the state appealed his decision, on, and on September 8th, 2015, the original decision was upheld um, of, of the dismissal. Of, no, 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 of the dismissal. Oh. Oh. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, this resulted, though, so that just resulted in, like, everything was null and void. So, like, his time, like, irrelevant, you know, his original trial, irrelevant. Um, oh, so jeopardy. that, Yeah, so double jeopardy didn't apply because he was just found, like, he wasn't found not guilty. It just, like, canceled out the trial, if that makes sense. Okay, so... Um, This resulted in the ability to retry Mark for the murder of his wife in January of 2016. He was again found guilty on September 1st of 2017. Um, It was tried in front of the original judge with a jury. So I think that the judge, I don't know if he allowed the letters back in or what have you, but basically um, he was found guilty again. But then it was overturned on appeal in February of 2020. Unfortunately, yeah, recent. But also think of what February of 2020 was right before COVID. So, unfortunately, is currently remanded back to the circuit court for further proceedings. Mm -hmm. And the prosecution will be unable to use Julie's letter in these 
next proceedings. So that's like a key piece of evidence that they can't use. Um, and because of like the pandemic and everything that that's done to our court system, Mark's new expected date for trial is January 9th of 2023. So he's still in prison? I don't know if he's in prison or if he is like being on like out on parole or house arrest. I don't know where right. he is right now. Oh, actually, just kidding. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. We can ignore that. It was it was like two bullets down. Um, okay. um, Mark is now 62 years old and has been incarcerated at the Dodge Correctional Institution in Wapan, Wapan since his original sentencing. So, like, he was released, you know, when it was um, when his conviction was dropped. And then since the retrial has happened, he's been in there again. Um, so yeah, we're, you know, waiting to hear what comes of that. I don't know. Personally, I think he's guilty, but what have you? I don't know, man. I'm not the final say. Right. Yeah. Um, also, I do have some statistics on domestic violence as well, um, that I just wanted to talk about right now, because I think that this episode is a good place to talk about them. Um, but for sexual assault, one in five women and one in 40 men in the United States are victims of sexual assault or attempted sexual assault. Um, and 19.1 million and 6.4 men in the United States alone have been stalked, which is like so many people. Um, that boils down to one in 10 women and one in 50 men experiencing stalking by an intimate partner during their lifetime. Mm -hmm. um, as for homicide rates, one in two female murder victims and one in 13 male murder victims are killed by intimate partners. So 50% of females who are murdered are killed by their intimate partners or previous intimate partners. Jesus Christ. Which is just, like, terrifying. Right. Um, and, yeah, I mean, domestic violence can impact so many different aspects of someone's life. Um, and if you are suffering domestic violence, I would 100% recommend reaching out to, you know, your state's legal aid organization or... Um, you know, looking for your local resources. There's a bunch in Kansas City um, and, and Kansas in general. If you guys ever need somewhere to go, I would definitely recommend reaching out to, you know, Women's Shelter or something like that. They can keep your address or your location confidential and keep you safe. So Yeah, we have one of those in Pullman, too, the violent or alternatives Al against violence on the Palouse. They're awesome. Al yeah, alternatives to violence on the Palouse, yeah. They have a fucking, they have a women's shelter. They have a fucking grocery thing that you can come in and get free groceries, free birth control, and free um, contraceptives, like, you know, condoms and Plan B. Yeah. Um, they're crazy. They'll take you to doctor's appointments. They'll be, like, legal, like... They'll um, come to you to, like, legal appointments and shit, too, so you, like, know what's going on and stuff. Like, mm -hmm. these places are really awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, your abuser says that they're going to take all these things away from you. Um, really, it's just a scare tactic. And it's also okay to, like, don't let anyone ever guilt you because... I know a lot of the times, like, it's hard for people to leave or they'll come back every once in a while because it's what they know and they've been scared into staying with what they know. But don't uh -huh. let an anyone ever make you feel bad for going back. Um, and know that you have help at any one of those resources, even if you did go back, um, because that happens. That's a pattern with domestic violence. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, something we talked about in my crim criminal justice class recently was, like, about how media really portrays abusive relationships as you have to get the shit absolutely beaten out of you for it to be considered abusive. And that's 100% not true. It is manipulative. It is scare tactics. It's slow isolation. Like, mm -hmm. 
I promise it does not have to be physical for it to be abusive. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, keep that in mind as well, that there is levels and n- no level is invalid at mm-hmm. all. Yeah. There's hope at every stage. Absolutely. Okay. I would also like to say that my sources were Wikipedia, LakeGenevaNews.net, Kenosha News, Murderpedia, and then my statistics were from uh, NCADB. I love it. We love a sightful bitch. Yeah, thank you. Um, but anyway, thanks for listening, guys. Um, please follow us on Instagram. Send mm-hmm. us a message if you have a story you want us to tell, or if you have like a listener story you want um, to be read. Um, yeah, you can also email it to us as well at killercrimesistertime at gmail dot com. Exactly. And, you know, there's resources everywhere out there for everyone, so don't ever forget that. Yeah, absolutely. You're never alone. You're never alone. Absolutely not. Exactly. But, yeah, so reach out. We'll do shout-outs. We'll do anything. I mean, shit, I'll do anything at this point. I got nothing going on. (laughs) (laughs) That's a lie, but... Okay, well, thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next week. Oh, also, I just want the record to reflect that we recorded yesterday, um, (laughs) which was April 12th, and so we were going to be, like, you know, record or publishing on a normal day, um, and then we got kicked out of Skype, or I got kicked out of Skype, and it stopped recording everything. (laughs) But for the record, we did it. We tried to. Yes, we did our absolute best. Okay. (laughs) But until then, we will be back on schedule next week. (laughs) Yes. Oh, and we were off schedule this week because Liberty had a lot going on and I had a lot going on and my dog was sick. It was just, it was a moment for both of us. Anyway. It was a shit show and this does unfortunately have to fit into our lives and not the other way around because we're not getting paid. So, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Yes. So, this is a hobby. (laughs) (laughs) I do this for funsies. Okay. But we'll see you guys next week. We love you guys. We appreciate you guys. Stay safe and see you next week. Bye. Bye.